Hey guys, welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast with Josh and Danielle, where we talk about our marriage, family, and the everyday stuff that we all face. We don't always agree on everything, and we certainly don't have it all figured out, but we know that God does. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome to episode number one of the He Said, She Said podcast. That's kind of hard to say. That is hard to say. It's I've like a said tongue it, twister. It, it is. I've said it enough now that I, I feel like I kind of have it down, though. Yeah, I think because we've done so many first episodes of the He Said, <laughs> She Said podcast, you know, it's not easy when you're not used to doing a podcast. To do your first one. Yeah, okay. So just being real, I think this is like what our second or third take of the first episode. Yes, and I and think we even practiced our first episode at home. Yeah, I was going to say, and that doesn't even <laughs> count the times that we've actually practiced the first episode not in the studio. Right. So we are on episode one, take six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not only, though, has the first episode been a challenge to get through, but just simply naming the podcast has been like a weeks-long process. I think since we started talking about doing a podcast, we have been talking about naming the podcast, and we did not settle on a name until the very last second yeah which actually comes as no surprise because we had trouble even naming our kids we absolutely did all four of them now we have four boys at home and with each one of them none of them had a name going into the hospital at all I always felt like though I don't know if you remember this but I always felt like we had to see the kid before we named the kid. That's what you said, especially with the first one. We kind of were thinking about a name, and he said, I don't know. I cannot, I can't name him this until I see him. Which, to me, looking back, is kind of weird because they all look the same <laughs> they, as babies. They so, all look like shriveled up little old men. Yes, <laughs> and so anyways, they all ended up with names. Yes, Fret they not. did. They all do have names. They do have names. But there was the birth certificate lady that still haunts our, our dreams. Yeah, she... She's one tough lady. She's a little terrifying. Yeah, so she would come in every day after the, the babies were born and ask for a name. And for most of them, we were able to give them like the day after they were born. Yeah. But there was one of our kids that we really struggled with the name. Now, I think of two in particular, but I remember one, the last one we had, screaming from the bathroom. And I know she's pounding down our door. I heard her knocking. And I'm screaming, his name is Kobe. His name is Kobe. And that is how Kobe was named. Yeah. And so she, she really was a terrifying lady. One day she came in and she said, you guys are not leaving this hospital until I have a name for this baby. I don't remember her saying that. Yeah, she definitely did. And it was a scary moment for me. You must not have been in the room. <laughs> but maybe that's why it made it even more scary. But nonetheless, all of our kids have names. We do have four boys uh, at home, and so we have a pretty crazy house. Oh, yes, and that brings us to what you wanted to name our podcast. Yeah, I had I, what I believe was an incredible name for our podcast. No, it sounded like a 90s sitcom. I, okay, so here it is. You guys, you want to hear it? It was, I wanted to name our podcast This Crazy Life. No. 
Why not? No. It would have been so fitting for our family and, and just our home. We have a crazy life, yes, but we do not have to name our podcast This Crazy okay, Life. Okay, so with four boys at home, our house is pretty wild. It's pretty loud. Um, it, it gets a little crazy at times. Yeah, in a word, probably chaos. Well, uh, controlled chaos, which actually was another... Um, thought of a name for this podcast. I don't remember you bringing that one up. That was my dad's recommendation. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a good one. That's a pretty good one. But yeah. we ended up with... We ended up with He, he said, said, She, she said. said. Yep. Which, I again, is one. hard to say. We did not actually come up with this name. No, actually, we must give credit where credit is due. That was Pastor Skelly's recommendation. Right off the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we put a lot of other things on the list. And that one, that one went out. That is the one that we ended up with. So tell us, do you like our name? And if you don't, (laughs) do you have a recommendation? We're not going to change it, but you're welcome to share it with us. (laughs) (laughs) What were your ideas? I wish I could have pulled the whole world. So uh, we are. Let let us tell us. Let us tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, My name is Josh. I am one of the pastors at Faith Baptist Church, and um, I've done various things at the church over the years. Uh, Danielle and I have been here for about 13 years now. Um, Currently, my role is associate pastor, which basically means I do um, a lot of different things. Uh, You do. Whatever the pastor does not want to do. <laughs> <laughs> pastor Skelly, if you're listening, please forgive Danielle for saying that. But You know, that is the um, universal definition for associate pastor. <laughs> One who does things the pastor does not want to do. There is definitely some truth to that statement. <laughs> but the majority of my years here were spent... Um, and they may be over now, but the majority of my years here were spent as the youth pastor. Um, and so we've, we've been in youth ministry for, oh, 13 years or, or so now. And so, um, we, we loved that. It was a great, great time for us. Uh, Danielle, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a stay at home mom. I have the privilege of being a stay at home mom and also housewife. I don't know if that's politically that is not correct. Politically correct. And also maybe not correct in the context of our life because I'm not great at that part of things. <laughs> I am not a great housewife, but You do a wonderful job. Well, oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much, my love. Um no, I am doing a lot of momming these days. We have four boys and um so I have a little one still at home. And I take care of him, and I do take care of our home. Yeah, so as we mentioned, all of our boys do have names, so we'll share them with you real quick. We have a Brayden, a Carter, a Beckett, and a Kobe, and uh, they bring us great, great joy. Great, great joy. <laughs> I like how you put we, that. We do absolutely love being parents, and we, we love our family. Um, but this conversation kind of leads into what we want to talk about today, and you mentioned that you are a stay-at-home mom. You mentioned that you are, you use the politically incorrect term of housewife. <laughs> um, but uh, unrealized or maybe unfulfilled expectations in marriage. That is our topic today. We have been married for... Yep, we've been married for 15, 15 years. years. But we've been together for a lot longer than that. We are high school sweethearts. And we've liked each other since the ninth grade. Yeah, it's been a long, um, long time. 
What is I, that supposed to mean? <laughs> I knew you were going to say Does that it because feel the, the way that I said that, it's me. the way that I said that certainly made it feel as though uh, I didn't. You mean were going to get in trouble. I didn't mean that yeah. the way that I said it. Okay, we have been together for a very, very long time, um, and we we like Danielle said, we dated in high school. Dated. I put that in church air quotes dated. because we church dated. We, we liked each other. We liked each other. We sat in church together. We went to youth activities together and that's pretty much the extent of our dating yes (laughs) (laughs) but uh as far as our our upbringings they were a little bit different right they they were a little bit different and I think that that um influenced our expectations going into marriage yes go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and ask the question no 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 I want to ask the question go ahead ask the question we want to have a little bit of fun and so Danielle I want to hear from you what your unfulfilled expectation of me was in marriage, especially in our early years. I don't think this will come as any surprise to you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I had these lofty and grand ideas that you would be romantic. I am a very romantic person. No, you are not. (laughs) And that you would bring me flowers. And I was sorely disappointed. I brought you flowers. I, I still bring you flowers you from You brought time me to time. flowers. I remember one time you brought me flowers, and I was very surprised. They were beautiful flowers. They were beautiful. Too. It was Valentine's Day, and Josh is a firm believer that Valentine's Day is a made-up holiday. Okay. Made-up by Hallmark so that we can buy cards. There is there is some truth to that statement, but I will say over the past couple of years that my view on Valentine's Day has begun to shift. Yes, with mu- much coaxing, yeah. I would say, and convincing. The, we are like four days before Valentine's Day right now. We are, so. and we have not even discussed what is coming, what we're doing. Yeah, I know. Are we... Is it going to be one of those years where we pretend it doesn't exist? I don't know. We'll, we'll but on this particular Valentine's Day, <laughs> you did bring me flowers. And I was completely floored. And I was so happy. And I said, where did you get these? These are beautiful. They were lavender roses. They were gorgeous. Yeah. And they came from the church. That's what he said, ladies. He said, they came from the church. Now, you tell me, why did he get flowers or how did he get flowers from the church? And then I remembered there was a funeral. <laughs> okay, to be fair, they were beautiful roses. And I do not remember this being for Valentine's Day. It was Day. Valentine's Day. You brought me funeral flowers. <laughs> For Valentine's Day. You say Day. that with such disdain. Well, that is shameful, my friend. <laughs> that is shameful. I will never forget. Okay, to give a little bit of context, though, as we mentioned, we've been together for a very long time. One of the, the scars that I have on my life is from... I scarred you for life? Yes, for life. <laughs> okay. Okay, is from high school. 
I I thought, you know, I'm going to be the romantic boyfriend. I'm going to come in and I'm going to, by the way, high school dating is crazy. Okay. We'll just, we'll talk about that on another episode, but um, I'm going to be the romantic boyfriend and I'm going to bring my girlfriend flowers in the morning before school starts. So I bring these beautiful roses to school. It was probably one rose at the time because I didn't have any money, but. Oh, I do remember this. It was Valentine's Day. Oh, see? <laughs> Valentine's Day. Again, I bring you this beautiful set of roses. And what did you do with them? I put them in my locker. You put them in the locker. You slammed the locker shut. You turned and you walked away without even a thank you. I do not remember that being that a response. That definitely happened. And so from then on, I was like, well, I'm not buying her flowers. I was 16 years I old. I know. It's kind of a bad excuse, honestly. <laughs> but that's been my thinking for a long time. Now, you have to say that in the past several years, I've done a better job at this. You, in the past year, maybe or so, <laughs> have done a better job at getting me flowers. Now, I am still not a romantic Self, I will admit that that myself, um, right. but I am not a romantic. I don't do as good of a job at it as I should, um, but we'll see what happens. Valentine's Day is in four days. I'll let you know, ladies. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Okay. Is it my turn? Yes, it's your okay. turn. Okay. So my unfulfilled expectation of you entering marriage, and this might get me in a little bit of trouble, but... We came from very different households, right? So growing up, my mom it was a more traditional model where my mom did most of the housework. So, but no, stop. Your mom did all of the housework. <laughs> and let's just be honest. In a word, you were spoiled. No, no, no. My mom was an amazing, is an amazing woman. She is an amazing woman. But I, I okay, I was a little bit spoiled. I didn't do any <laughs> any of my laundry she until. She will admit that you were spoiled. I didn't do any laundry until I was in college. It's not that I didn't know how to do it. I knew how to do it. But I started doing my own laundry when I was in college. And so my mom kind of, she washed the dishes. She did the laundry. She did all the housework. And you grew up in a household where it was more of a team effort. Everybody kind of did their own thing. Right. I had done my laundry since I was 10, since I could do my laundry. I did the dishes. We all worked together on Saturdays to clean the house. Like it was a team effort. So yeah. coming at it from our different experiences, coming into marriage, we both had these ideas about how our marriage would go and what our marriage would look like. Okay, so my unfulfilled expectation of you has become obvious probably by now, but I thought going into marriage that my wife would do all the laundry. All the laundry. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> Pick it up from the floor where it, where it's Well, I mean, I could put it in the hamper. Sure, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, that was my unfulfilled expectation. But, you know, one of the things that all of us, I think, as we enter marriage that we look for is fulfillment in that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. We are all seeking to be fulfilled. And a lot of times in the context of marriage, we're seeking fulfillment from our spouse. We have these expectations set up by, you know, our previous experience or even um, media, maybe Disney. Disney. Dare I say Disney. We are a Disney family. We do love Disney. But I think that 
That, like the, that that Disney culture of right. follow your heart, the prince comes and saves the day, and the romantic, really just the media in general. Yeah, I think it's not just Disney. I think it's media in general. You know, the, the movies that we watch, the books that we read, you know, when calls the heart. You know, that's an example of romanticism, you know, not really reality. Right, that's unrealistic. Unrealistic. But it's certainly brings expectations it, it causes us to bring expectations of our spouse into marriage absolutely yeah and, and so one of the things that we seek for in our marriage is fulfillment and I look to my wife for you know fulfillment and in, in um, whatever it might be in, in any areas and, and really we can we can broaden the the net here and we can say that in uh, whatever it is if we're looking for fulfillment in our job if I'm looking for fulfillment as, you know, a single person, if I'm looking for fulfillment in a marriage relationship that I'll have down the road and I feel like, well, I'm not getting fulfilled right now in my life because for whatever reason, but I'm seeking for that person or that relationship or that job or that money or whatever it is that will fulfill me, then I'm looking in all the wrong places. So in the context of marriage, here's what we have. And, and this is interesting. We have two different people who come from two different backgrounds but have one big thing in common and that is sin and so those two people come together and they form a union they form a bond they form a relationship but yet they bring their sinful habits and their sinful flesh into that relationship and then they seek to be fulfilled by the other person right the bible says in romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and sin is anything that we say, think, or do that does not please God. And I think about myself on um, an everyday basis. I definitely say things I regret or wish, wish I could take back. And I do things out of selfishness. And I think things that don't line up with biblical principles. And I know that I'm very clearly a sinner, and I definitely know very clearly that you are a sinner. Well, I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> like, in our marriage, there's obviously someone who is much greater a sinner than the other. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, okay. But that's obviously not really the, the truth. That's not uh, the truth. We, we both have brought this, this sinful flesh into the marriage relationship. Now, I think what we we, we kind of skipped over this, but let's take a step one step back real quick and let's define what fulfillment is. So I think, Danielle, you have a dictionary definition of fulfillment. So here's really kind of what the world sees fulfillment as. When you're fulfilled, you're satisfied or happy because of fully developing your character or ability. I think that really misses the mark, that definition. Yeah, it's certainly a very self-centered definition. So read it one more time. Satisfied or happy because of fully developing one's abilities or character. Okay, so it's all about me. Right. Right? I am satisfied. I am happy. Which, by the way, those two things are not what we're seeking after in life. As Christians, we're seeking after peace. We're seeking after joy, which is different than just happiness. Right? And so satisfied or happy because of a, a, a character that I've built within myself. That's kind of the world's definition of fulfillment. Now, Danielle, you and I talked about before we started uh, recording this episode, what is a biblical definition then of fulfillment? And what we said was that the biblical definition of fulfillment would be satisfaction or, or joy that is found 
through peace in God, peace in the gospel, peace through Jesus Christ. Speak to that just a little bit, Danielle, about um, the, the peace that we can find through our relationship, the fulfillment that we can find through our relationship with Jesus as it relates to, you know, kind of those two definitions. So the worldly definition is a very self-centered one. The biblical definition of fulfillment would be much more a God-centered one. Sure. You know, God is the one who can fulfill us ultimately. He's the one who brings us joy and peace. Serving him and loving him, giving our lives to him, that is where we find our greatest contentment and peace and joy. And you know what? I think this definition misses the mark because it's not necessarily, we're not always looking for fulfillment in our own abilities or our own character. I think that we look for our fulfillment in so many different things um, that, 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 not nece- that are not necessarily where we should be looking, as you said. Um, I could be looking for fulfillment, and ladies, you can speak to this, in how well our children do. You know, we are looking for fulfillment in like we're talking about now, our spouse. We could look for fulfillment in how successful we are, yes, at our jobs or how successful successful we are in life in general. It's all wrong. Yeah, it, it all misses the mark. And so one of the, the verses that comes to mind as you're saying all this uh, for me is John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking just after he's talked about, he's made his I am the door statement. He's speaking there in John 10, verse 10, and he says um, something along these lines. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so when I look to my spouse or anything else for that matter, when I look to my spouse for fulfillment, for giving me that satisfaction, for giving me that joy, for fulfilling the things that I feel like, the expectations that I have of them, and I don't look to Jesus to fulfill that, then it brings conflict, it brings resentment, it brings problems into my marriage. Right. I think about when we were first married. I think um, we had some really, really difficult years right at the beginning because of our um, preconceived notions about what marriage should be and what you should be doing for me. And you had some ideas about what I should be doing for you. And we really struggled. Yeah, we had some pretty big fights in those early days. Right. And um, we haven't even got it all figured out now. As you know, we say in the intro to our podcast, we don't have it all figured out. And we don't because I think this is a continual process, um, a, the, the continual process of sanctification. Right. But we never fight anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's be real. We we hardly, if we're just being honest, we hardly ever agree. We're two very, very different people. We think completely differently, and we almost never agree. And that leads to many, many discussions. discussions. Yeah, right. Discussions. But, but I think, again, that, yeah, we had those, those difficulties in our early, the early in our marriage, um, and the, the crazy thing is like, I look back on some of those, uh, those heated discussions that we had early in our marriage and I don't even know what they were about. Right. They were probably about really dumb things. Like, 
why aren't the dishes done? And, you know, why is why are your socks left on the floor? Or why and, haven't you brought me flowers <laughs> and <maybe>. ever? <laughs> yes, yes. But the, the point is that there were unrealistic expectations that I had of you and that you had of me that caused that that caused us to have these these fights when if I had when I had looked to, if I had looked to God for fulfillment and not to you for fulfilling my needs and my desires and the things that I felt like you should be doing, then it would have resolved all of that. Right. And, and I think I got a really great piece of information. I say information, advice from a friend. Um, her pastor's wife, when she got married, told her to lower her expectations. <laughs> now that sounds terrible. And honestly, when I heard that, I thought, Absolutely not. He needs to rise up to meet my expectations. But if your expectations are unreasonable and they're unrealistic, then you really do need to lower your expectations. Yeah, and that's tough to to hear and it's tough to do because it is innate, tough to do. <laughs> innately, <laughs> we feel like that our spouse should rise to meet our expectations because we their expectations. That's right. what they are by nature. They, there's things that we feel like they should be doing. And there are some things that we should be doing as laid out in Scripture. Sure. And we will talk about those in some coming episodes. Um, but these lofty, grand ideas that we have going into marriage, they often, like you said, lead to conflict, lead to frustration. And those frustrations build. And then you find yourself asking, did I marry the wrong person? I married the wrong person. And when you come to that conclusion, you know, the only course of action for many people is I don't have to live this way mm. and we're going to go our separate ways. Yeah, that's a dangerous place to come to right. in your in your thinking and in your relationship is I married the wrong person. But the reason we feel like we married the wrong person often is because we're, we're looking to the wrong place for fulfillment. Right. We're looking to our spouse to give us things and to fulfill the needs that only God can fulfill. Okay, so that brings us to a, a, good, um, a good point where I think you had a verse that you wanted to share, Danielle, uh, from the book of Psalms that kind of tells us, okay, if my expectations aren't going to be fulfilled by my spouse, where should my expectations be or where should I be seeking fulfillment? The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, delight here is um, kind of the same, along the same ideas as fulfillment. You know, we, we saw the definition of fulfillment was happiness. The Hebrew word for delight here is basically the same, just how it sounds, delight or happiness. Yeah, and so when I find my joy, when I find my happiness in in following Jesus and following God, then he will give me the desires of my heart. Now, here's what that verse doesn't mean, because we can read that verse as, oh, God is my genie in, in the lamp, right? God's going to give me whatever I wish for. Well, that's not what that verse is saying. I mean, I would love to have a Tesla, but it's not that if I serve God and if I delight myself in him, that tomorrow morning when I wake up, that Tesla is going to be sitting in my driveway. What the verse is saying is that as I follow God, as I seek after God, as I find my fulfillment in him and I delight myself in him, then he's going to change my desires to be in line with what his desires are for my life. And when that happens, 
you will be fulfilled. Right. He's your everything. Yeah, because I'm finding happiness, peace, contentment, joy, all of those things in him. Right. And he never disappoints us. He never falls short. So when we look to our spouse, our sinful spouse, (laughs) to fulfill these needs, we are going to be disappointed. But in God, you will never be disappointed. Okay, so that brings us to a passage as we kind of bring things to a close here in the book of Psalms. Psalm number 63. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, great. If you're driving, please don't. Just keep your eyes on the road. But Psalm number 63, we let me give you a little bit of background here. We meet David. David is, is on the run here. There's some discussion about who he's running from, whether it's Absalom after he's king or whether it's Saul before he's king. It really doesn't matter. The, the fact is that David is on the run. This is not the quintessential marriage passage that you would hear, but I think there's some good, uh, some, some good, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there, there's definitely some, I don't know, I'm going to say crossover. That's not the word I'm looking for here, but there's, there's, um, some good applications that we can make to marriage and what we're talking about today from this particular passage. But maybe it is actually um, a good quintessential passage on marriage because David is running for his life. Oh, nice. (laughs) So (laughs) Psalm 63, David's on the run. Look at verse one. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I think that's an interesting um, parallel that David makes there. Like he's out in this dry and thirsty land on the run, and yet he's seeking after God. He's saying, God, you are my fulfillment. Right. That's such a poignant metaphor. Yeah. I love it because we obviously need water to live. And I, I don't know if you've ever been outside in the hot, hot sun, in the summertime, and and you're running around. I, I know for me, it's like I'm running around doing errands, and I get so, so thirsty. And I think about that. David was thirsting for God in the desert. Do I thirst for God? Right, and sometimes our, our marriage, I mean, if we're just being honest, sometimes our marriage can feel like the desert, right? It's dry. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but it's it's dry. We just feel like we're not being fulfilled. I mean, if we're being honest. We're just going through the motions. Right. Right. Yeah. And and the, the reason I think that often if our marriages feel like that is because we're seeking fulfillment in the wrong place. Absolutely. We're looking for water where there is none. Right. So, it's so, a mirage. Right. So let's look to God. So verse two, he says this, to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the, in the sanctuary, I love this in verse three, he says, because thy loving kindness is better than life. God, your loving kindness, your blessings for me, your love over me is better than life itself. My lips shall praise thee. And so here's what I see in this passage, uh, Psalm number 63, verses one and two. David is seeking after God, like with all of his heart, even in the driest of places where he needs water, what he's seeking for is God. And what a a picture for us, like what a challenge for us to seek after God with all of our heart. So verses one and two, he's seeking after God. And then we we don't have time to read these, but maybe you'll read them. Verses six through 11. Let's just read a couple of them. Verse number six, 
when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, what is David doing? Like all throughout the day. So look at verse back to verse one, early will I seek thee. He's seeking God in the morning. Down to verse six, when I think about you in my bed, when I, rem- when I meditate in thee in the night watches. So all day long, David is seeking God. But verses 6 through 10, what I see in these verses, or 6 through 11, is this dependence that David has upon God. So here in verses 1 and 2, David is seeking after God. Verses 6 through 11, David is depending upon God. In verses 3 through 5, here's what's happening. David is being fulfilled in God. And so here David is. He is. He's out on the run. He's running from Absalom. He's running from Saul, whoever you think it is that, that he's running from. We don't know for sure. But in that moment, he's seeking fulfillment in God and in God alone. And here's the problem in our marriages. I often expect way too much of Danielle. She often expects way too much of me, just being being realistic, right? right. And, and you perhaps expect way too much of your spouse, And those unrealized expectations eventually lead to disillusionment. They lead to disenchantment. They lead me to places where I begin to resent my spouse because they're not fulfilling the needs or the expectations that I have for them. And it's a dangerous place to be. Right. I think and ultimately, as we said earlier, it leads to separation and to divorce because you feel like there's just no hope. He's never going to change. She's never going to change. He's never going to fulfill my needs like I need my needs fulfilled. And then you give up yeah. and you and you separate and you divorce. So friends, there is hope and the hope is in God. It's finding my fulfillment, finding my peace in God and in God alone. Well, listen, there are some expectations that we can have of our spouse, some biblical expectations You have to come back next week and join us to find out what those biblical expectations are. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope to see you again next week. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us this week on He Said, She Said. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing.